in them as a result of the purification of heart there is a manifestation of shraddha the faith as well as devotion and the manifestation of devotion can be recognized in four stages first is artaha a person approaches lord when he is in distress there is also devotion at least he is going to lord and not to anybody else he is going to ishwara not to somebody else because one can approach anything or anyone seeking the solution of one's distress or one's problems that there is a desire to to execute the grace of the lord and then get cured become free from distress so appealing to him rather than appealing to something else somebody local appealing to him and itself shows the trust and devotion that my prayers will be fulfilled that my prayers will be answered <coughs> so is my devotee does not matter even if he comes to me only when he is distressed doesn't matter if then also is my devotee the other one comes to me whenever he is in need doesn't matter then also is okay he is still my devotee better than the other one but a more mature devotee is the one who comes to me because he wants to know me he comes to me for my sake well he is more mature devotee and the most mature of course is the one who knows me in my true nature knows me as his own self tesham jnani nitya yukta is jnani the wise person in nitya yukta always joined with the lord never apart from the lord because in his vision as lord krishna has subsequently vasudeva sarvamiti samahatma in his vision everything is vasudeva everything is ishvara and therefore even when he is with the world still he is never away from ishvara and even himself also never away from ishvara so vikampena yogena yujyate natra samshayah the 10 chapter lord krishna says etam vibhutim yogam cha mama yogeti tatvatah the one who knows that the whole universe is nothing but my manifestation and ultimately he knows me as his own self avikampena yogena yujyate he is joined with me by yoga which is avikampa which never suffers a cessation he is always joined with me so this is ideal ekam nitya yuktah the wise person is always united with the lord because in his vision there is nothing but ishvara eka bhakti is only devotee of ishvara and nothing else again in his mind or in his vision there is nothing other than ishvara but asidasya yuktatma maveva unatvam even before earlier also even before he knew me to be the only one non dual still he only wanted me so most exalted he is because he only wanted me nothing else he said yesterday to choose so one who chooses the lord becomes ishwara becomes chosen by him and so he always wanted me nothing else thus it was very clear to this person this devotee that what he needs in his life is ishwara is to show an understanding as well as devotion priyo hi gnana nutyartham aham sadama priya i am extremely dear to him and he of course is very dear to me now when the wise person when he said that ishwara is the dearest to the wise person and if his vision is that everything is ishwara understand everybody is dearest to him and 
So, the extent to which a person can grow, this is what is meant here. The extent to which a person can grow, the extent to which we can grow. So, what is the potential there is for us to grow? There's this vision that everything is Ishvara. That Ishvara is one and non-dual, there is none other than him. And therefore, he is myself. That shows the tremendous potential, that infinite potential that we have of growth, not in terms of our physical strength and stuff like that, not growth in that sense, but growth in terms of our own goodness, our own large-hearted, how large-hearted you can be, accommodate the whole universe. Because I always accommodate myself regardless of what I am. And if I know the whole universe is a self, then everything is accommodated. This Ishwara is unopposed to everything, so also the wise is unopposed to everything. Samoham Sarabhuteshu Namedveshyostinapriyaha Lord Krishna says that, I equally abide in all the beings. No dveshya na priya I have no partiality and I have no dvesha or aversion for anything because I am the self of all. So that is where the dharma and adharma, one that transcends all these pairs of opposites. So ultimately the wise person transcends even the pairs of opposites. It is true that we grow out of adharma by taking refuge of the dharma. That means we resort to dharma, the righteousness, in order to overcome the adharma. Whatever adharmic tendencies we may have, we overcome those by deliberately choosing dharma. But ultimately, with the knowledge, we have to grow out of dharma also. Because dharma is that which is opposed to adharma. Even dharma is opposed to adharma. Ishwara cannot be opposed to anything. Clay cannot be opposed to any kind of part, where ugly part, beautiful part, spittoon part, Ganges part, whatever it is. See, so also Ishvara, Asti, Bhati, Piram, unopposed to anything. Samoham Sarabhuteshu, whatever the beings are, I equally impart them the existence and intelligence to everything. It is in our opinion that something is vicious, something is virtuous, okay? <coughs> But ultimately, in as much Ishvara transcends the pairs of opposites. Therefore, he is not opposed to a dharma also. He illumines everything equally well. Just as the consciousness illumines both knowledge as well as ignorance. The consciousness illumines all kinds of thoughts. Miserable thoughts also coming in the mind sometimes. But still, consciousness, Brahman illumines everything. Sometimes we wish that Brahman opposed certain things. Swamiji, God is our own self, why doesn't he do something about it? So Ishwara is myself, Brahman is my own self. And she is watching, sitting and watching and blessing everything. We wish that Brahman was opposed to these negative thoughts, that would have been so nice, but he's not. And opposed to everything, illumining everything. And that is where the great. That is where the greatness is. It is one thing, it is great to be a dharmic person. It is great to be a virtuous person. But even greater to be unopposed to unvirtuous person also. That one should be, one can be large-hearted enough to accommodate anything. And that the compassion of the wise person does not suffer regardless of what the other person is. Advaishtas, 
This Mahatma Sudullava, this rare Mahatma, the great souled one, is described fairly elaborated in the 12th chapter. In the 7th chapter, Lord Krishna says that I am very dear to the wise person and wise person is very dear to me. Priyohi jnanyanotyartham aham. Sacha mama priya, he also is very dear to me. And then how is, that is all described, elaborated in the twelfth chapter. Adveshta sarabhutanam maitraha karunahayavacha. Describing this Mahatma. Here is just mentioned. But what does this vision mean in practical terms? Adveshta sarabhutanam. What is, what is meant by seeing Ishvara everywhere and everything and everybody? Adveshta sarabhutanam. He does not hate anybody. He does not even hate somebody who hates him. It is easy not to hate those who love you, of course. But how about if somebody hates me, Swamiji? You know, I don't do anything, but they do this to me. And it's understandable that we hate them. It's understandable. But ultimately, we cannot demand from ourselves that we should be perfect. I mean, you know, these are the values. This is a role model, or this is a goal that is presented before us. And it's not that I force myself to do something, but I have this value, that I want to grow to that point. So Vedanta, in fact, challenges us to grow to this extent. And Lord Krishna himself says, Bahunam Janmanamante Jnanavanmam Prabandyate that this growth to perfection has happened over a number of births. What about people who accept only one birth? I don't know. It's really sad. Only one lifespan, that's all I have. If I make it, I make it. If I don't make it, that if I make it, then eternal heaven. And don't make it, eternal hell. There's no other choice. I don't know how to account for people who die when they're young and, you know, they have no chance at all. What about those people? It doesn't make sense at all that there is only one lifespan a person has and that is also arbitrary. Why am I like this and why are you like that? Because God chose you to be... How can God choose like that? There cannot be arbitrarily that you are made what you are and I am made what I am. If I am born with criminal tendencies, then I am doomed for this lifetime. One lifetime sometimes is not enough to get over with things. As Swamiji gives the example of that philosopher, when he heard that the ship was sunk. What? Yes, sir, your ship is sunk. So what? But all your property is gone. What? Yes, you are a pauper. So what? But your wife and children are also drowned. What? Yes, your wife and children are also drowned. So what? So to that philosopher, he took a few seconds between what and so what. It may take a few minutes, a few hours, a few years, a few lifetimes between what and so what. That is called the growth. And this is the path of growth. As I said, there, is, there are no quick fixes. There are no miracles of other kind, you know, that otherwise Lord Krishna was capable of all miracles. And still as Swami said that, he did not use magic wand, you know, he took all the trouble to in fact teach Arjuna and make him see, bring about a, a cog change in, a cognitive change bring about. If any simpler thing was possible, do you think God, Lord Krishna could not have used it? But no, this is what is prescription for the human being. 
one has to grow. The fruit has to ripen. Then alone there can be sweetness. Then alone there can be fragrance. Then alone there can be tenderness. Then alone there can be taste. You cannot artificially ripen it. You can. It may look good, but it's all, there's no stuff inside. And thus we must know that don't look for any quick fixes. You can use all the means available at your disposal, but then there is no choice as far as growth is concerned. We have to grow. Meaning that whatever these ragadveshas are there, whatever negative or distorted or hurting tendencies inherited, they have to go. Purity is of our nature. Whatever impurity we find is only incidental, is, is intruder, it's not of our nature. But it's there nevertheless and therefore we have to, we have to get rid of it. So self-growth is a process of self-purification. When I find that my intentions are also pure, that my desires are also of that nature, my thoughts also are that, that I become more and more transparent person, I become more and more simple person, and therefore more and more secure and comfortable with myself, less and less need to protect myself and always, you know, pretend. So becoming free from need to pretend, becoming free from those needs, to pretend also is a need, right now. Anger also is a need. All these are needs, because then only I feel secure that I can protect myself. Okay? But slowly, becoming free from these needs. And thus growing in our inner strength, <coughs> so that we can accept ourselves as we are. <coughs> so, bahunam janmanam ante jnanavanam prabandyate. It is a result of a process of self-growth and and the inner purification carried out over a number of births, that Jnanavan Maam Prabhadyate, this wise person, is completely surrendered to me. Remember the word Prapadyate. If you remember the fourteenth verse, Maamevaya Prapadyande Maya Metam Tarantate, those who take refuge unto me, those who surrender to me, they cross this Maya. Wise person, Prapadyati, he has surrendered to the Ishwara completely. So what is the surrender of the wise person? This knowledge that everything is Vasudeva. In that knowledge that everything is Ishwara, that Jiva is gone, essentially. Surrender here is nothing but surrender of my notions. Surrender of all the wrong notions that are born and therefore the complex is born of the ignorance. What we mean by surrender of ego is the surrender of false perceptions. And a complete cognitive change. What's the final cognition? Vasudeva Sarvamiti. When we know this, then we know truly the reality as it is. Until then we don't. As long as something is not Vasudeva, as long as something is out of, is not Ishvara, so long we know that some imperfection is there. But everything without any condition. Friendly to all, karunaha, compassionate to all. Nirmamo nirahankaraha. There's no mavatara. There's no sense of ownership. There's no ego. There's no pride. There's no ego arrogance. Kshami, always enduring, always forgiving, always accepting, always accommodating. Yasmano dvijate lokaha. He does not become a threat to anybody and he is not threatened by anybody also. Non-demanding. 
And Ishwara, Lord also likes him because he does not make any demand from Lord also. Why Ishwara, why Lord Krishna says, he is most dear to me because he makes no demand on me. Other devotees, I want this and I, they all put conditions. And Lord also is obliged to fulfill those because of devotees, you know. So, when you have devotees, then of course it's, it's just another kind of samsara. There's no doubt about that. And so when Ishwara has devotees, they come asking for various favors. Naturally, they will. We are close, you know. So closer you are, naturally, more privileges you have and more favors you ask for. And when they, they ask for favors, then sometimes it is not comfortable at all. So Ishwara is not very comfortable. When we make demands, he will fulfill the demands. But he is most comfortable when there is no demand. So this jnani is a devotee who makes no demand at all. Pratyahati yada kamaan sarvan parthamanogatan. He makes no demand upon Ishwara also. Complete acceptance of Ishwara. Whatever you are is fine. Whatever you do is fine. I have no demand. That means he has developed a total comfort of Ishwara. Total acceptance of Ishwara. Bringing Ishwara into our life is accepting Ishwara. To the extent that we do, to that extent we bring Ishwara in our life. Prasad Uddhi. Accepting everything is prasad of the Lord. You, then ultimately, understanding everything is prasada. Understanding everything is Ishvara. And this becomes more, less and less demanding. It culminates into making no demand from Ishvara. He seeks no favor because he is in no need for favor. So Mahatma Sudurlabha, a Mahatma like that, is extremely rare. <clears throat> now if everything is Ishvara, everything is a self, then how come people have difficulty in accepting this? In recognizing this fact, how come you can't recognize this fact? If Ishvara was someplace else and only confined to something, that may be difficult to reach that place and, you know, find him. So somebody asked Swamiji, what about uh, belief in God? What is your view in... He said, we don't believe in... We don't see the need for belief in God. In as much as... What the Vedanta teaches us, everything is Ishvara. There's no question of believing in Ishvara. It's a matter of understanding Ishvara. So Ishvara is not someone to be reached, to be acquired. It's right here and now. And my own self. If this is so, what's the problem? What is the problem in recognizing Ishvara? What's the problem in surrendering to Ishvara? Why people don't do that? So, what I said earlier is a little more elaborate now described. What, what is the obstacle in bhakti? What's the obstacle in recognizing Ishvara? What's the obstacle in surrendering to him? <clears throat> now, the people who are described are, are bhaktas. Then, they're good people. But being good is, or being even a devotee is not enough. As long as a devotion is with a desire. So, if devotion to Ishvara also, 
is with a desire for fulfillment of a desire, then that is not adequate. So, in the 20th verse, Lord Krishna talks about that. Lord Krishna says here that people don't come to me. They go to other devatas. He also must be feeling. Lord Krishna complains, not complains, but says here with regret. They look, these people don't come to me. They go to all other different gods, you know. Because taihi, taihi, kamaihi, ruta jnana. Those whose jnanam, whose discrimination, the capacity to choose between what is right and what is wrong, or what is desirable, what is undesirable, this capacity is being robbed away by the desires. Earlier it was said that māyā apahuta jñānaha, those people whose capacity to discriminate is robbed away by māyā. What is this māyā? Māyā itself results into what we call kāma or desire. So desire is a product of ignorance. Desire is a product of ignorance or māyā call it. There is really in I, the self, that the desire doesn't make any sense at all. If you accept what the Upanishad says, that I am Brahman, that I am a whole and complete being as I am. But Swami, you are complete with five or six inches height, yes. But Swami, do you remember who I am? No, I don't. I met you yesterday. For, I mean, that's kind of memory. You are still complete, yes. How many chapati you eat? One chapati? How can we, in spite of all of this, in spite of the body that I have, mind, whatever I have, however miserable this may be, and still I am complete. Incomplete, the one who is whole or complete, where is a question of desire? Because desire is a, an expression of a want or a lack. I cannot desire what I have, I can only desire what I don't have. A desire shows that I do not have something. I am lacking something. It is an expression of lack or a want. How can there be want in the one who is infinite, who is complete? Thus this desire itself a product of ignorance. Looking upon myself as incomplete, as wanting, as lacking. So as we say, that's what Maya does. Maya shows incompleteness or lack where there is completeness in my own self. <coughs> so because of these desires, let's say there are two kinds of desires. One is a desire for something that I... Generally, desire is for something that I don't have. I have a desire for a car. I don't have it. Somebody, I want a new cell phone. Okay, I don't have it. I want a new house. I don't have it. So, there are desire for things that I don't have. But there is a peculiar desire also. The desire for these glasses, you know, these glasses which are tucked away on my head. And sometimes there is a desire for these glasses also. So, this man... He's reading his newspaper in the, in the morning, Sunday morning, with his reading glasses on, and he's doing that. And then his friend comes to meet him, and just to talk to the friend, 
he takes away his glasses from the and he's talking he doesn't need glasses you know to talk to the person after 15 20 minutes the fellow goes away he resumes reading his newspaper he can't read it he starts looking for his glasses where are my glasses and then here and there and everywhere for 5 minutes he keeps searching because there are so many news so many things are lying around he doesn't find the glasses so has anybody seen my glasses and then slowly his voice rises you know the implication is very clear his wife is there in the kitchen doing something you know he wants to her to hear and come in and search for the glasses she doesn't listen to it for 10 minutes you know after 10 minutes she comes out so what's the problem so where are my glasses how, how do i know what do you mean you don't know you always put away my glasses you know there's usual things that happen and does this Why are we just watching the tamasha about this glass? She doesn't oblige him at all because today is a good opportunity she has. You know? <laughs> Fortunately, his ten-year-old son comes along. He says, "My child, will you please do me a favor? What is it, Dad? Can you see where my glasses are? Can you search for my glasses? I can't see them." Dad, yes, I'll find your glasses. One condition: Can I go for the movie this evening? <laughs> Can I come? Okay, come on, you can go home. Tell me, where are the glasses? <laughs> Dad, they are right on your head, right there. Man. Oh, the glasses are right here. So, so far I was a desirer of glasses. There is also a desire. But not desire for something that I do not have. Desire for something that I think I do not have. So, two kinds of desires are there. One is, Desire was things that I don't have, and there are many things that I don't have. So those desires can be understood. But there is also a desire for something that I think that I do not have. It is that is what is meant here by kama. Desiring things is okay. I mean, we need them. Perhaps in our day-to-day life to fulfill our responsibilities, and we need things. And the objects of the world are meant to serve those various purposes the motor car is required to transport me from one place to other a cell phone is required for me to contact other people these are required and those desires we may not grudge we may not necessarily approve of them but we may not grudge them <laughs> but behind that what is the real desire desire is that those things will make me happy So desire behind all these little desires ultimately is desire to be happy. Now that desire to be happy, in which category does that desire fall? Is happiness something that I do not have, therefore I want it, or I think I do not have and therefore I want it? Because the second category of desires of the things that I don't have can never be fulfilled. You see, I can never actually ever search find my glasses because they are not lost. So the first category of desire can be fulfilled. Desire was something that I do not really have can be fulfilled by performing appropriate action. But how about desire was something that I think I do not have that cannot be fulfilled regardless of what efforts I make? <coughs> the desire for happiness is that kind of a desire. Desire for love also is that kind of a desire. Desire for love, desire for happiness, desire for freedom. desire for security all the desires are those desires which fall in the second category i think i do not have them but still most people do not and they think they associate 
happiness and love, etc., with the objects of the world. Therefore they want it. Nobody ever wants things for the sake of them. Nobody wants things for the sake of them. Come on, I give you the whole ashram, take it. No, Swami, I don't want it. Sometimes people don't want things, you know, because nobody wants them for the sake of wanting. We don't, we don't want things for the sake of them, understand? We want them because we have the hope that they will bring me happiness and security. And therefore, ultimately what I want is happiness. Except that nothing in the world has the capacity to give me that happiness. <clears throat> so, kamaihi, taihi, taihi, tajnanaha. Because the human mind superimposes the happiness where it is not. It is the nature of the mind to do that. The mind that has superimposed sorrow where it is not, namely in my own self, the same mind also superimposes happiness in the objects where it is not, and then wants it. So when the mind wants various things in the world, really it wants happiness, and happiness that it imagines to be there. Shrutajnanaha, those people whose sense of discrimination has been dropped away, by his false perception of his own self bringing about the false perception of the objects and beings of the world. Now these desires, for fulfilling desires, I must have appropriate means and I must approach that who can fulfill that particular desire. I don't require Ishwara. See, when you go to a government office to get certain things done, typically in India, let us say, then if you can get do with just a pune, if you can give him ten rupees and get your things done, you need not go to the other officers here. You only go where your, your business will be done, that's all. In the other various departments, you go to a particular department. If it is accounting, that's where you go. If it is, uh, you know, you do something with the land, etc., you go to that department, <coughs> revenue department. You don't have to go to the mayor all the time, the chief minister or the prime minister, you know, you don't have to. And you don't. You go to only those people, the officers, who are responsible for those who have jurisdiction. Similarly, people also go to those devatas. If you don't want to do something with your eyes, go to Surya Devata. You need some knowledge, you go to Saraswati. You want to remove your obstacles, go to Ganesha. So there are Different devatas recognized for giving different things. If you want to have the strength, go to Indra. So different devatas have capacity to grant different favors. And therefore, we go to those devatas depending upon what kind of favor we are seeking. <coughs> you may think that Swamiji, this is not applicable. We don't go to any devatas. Who knows Indra and Varuna? It's all old. We go to some other devatas. You, you may go to the local devatas. You may go to Ganesha. You may go to Hanuman. You may go to some Devi. You may go to... Swamiji, I never go to temples. I never do that. So I don't fall in this category. But you go someplace. As long as your desire is to fulfill... You have to go somewhere to fulfill the desire. In short, in order to fulfill the desire, we seek some favor from somebody. We need to be favored. Then alone desire can be fulfilled. No, Swami, I don't need anybody's favor. I can do it with, you know, my own strength. I don't ask for favor from anybody. 
But we always do, even when you invest money in the stock, in the mind, there is always some prayer, you know, that the stock prices should rise. Some prayer is always there. Some favor I am always seeking. The moment a desire comes, I always seek favor, so that my... Because fulfillment of desire is important to me. If fulfillment of desire is not important, it's okay. I need not seek favor. But generally, fulfillment of desire is very important to me. My security depends upon that. My sense of well-being depends upon that. Therefore, I must seek favor. Maybe I'll seek favor of my clients. I'll try to be friendly with them, take them out, do something. I may not go to devatas, but I may go to these local devatas. Go to the suppliers, go to the clients, go to do, do this networking. Some people work very hard. You think that the world is going to fulfill my desire with, you know, no effort? I to work hard? In order for the desire to fulfill, I must create conducive environment. Then alone I will get what I want. Means I am seeking favor. Means I am trying to please somebody. Here you go to Devata and then I'll make offering and please. All right, Ganeshi, I will offer you five coconuts if this and such thing happens, okay. Offer five coconuts. We'll offer hundred coconuts if it rains. Hundred coconuts if it does not rain. The people have different kinds of desires. Because if we have our annual function, we want that it should not rain. Our prayer will be, Lord Dakshinamurti, please favor that, no rain today. But whenever I am a needy person, I am a beggar, I am needy, and therefore I have, I need favor, then only my need can be fulfilled. So a needy person always seeks favor, that's the idea. And I will seek favor of the one who can fulfill my desire. Call it Devata or call it what you will. But Lord Krishna says, nobody comes to me. They always go to places and individuals and Devatas. Where? their desire can be fulfilled. <clears throat> Prapadyante, Anya Devataha. Seeking these limited things. Not, you know, seeking these limited things, they always go to those Devatas. No, no, Swami, I am a worshipper of Lord Krishna. Even if I am a worshipper of Lord Krishna, or even if I am a worshipper of Ishvara, what is important is what I am seeking. As long as I am seeking a limited thing, so long I am invoking only limited aspect of Ishvara. What am I invoking from Ishvara? Even if I don't go to a given Devata, suppose I go to the infinite Devata, Ishvara. But what am I asking? I am only invoking a very limited aspect of Him. And thus, Lord Krishna says, they do not come to me. They come to my aspect, some aspect. So Surya is, sun is supposed to be the eyes, and fire is supposed to be speech, and direction is supposed to be his ears. Earth is supposed to be the feet, and so they go to my feet, and they go to my eyes, and they go to my hands, they don't come to me. <coughs> the idea is that as long as my mind is robbed away by limited desires, desire always can be for a limited thing, which is going to require a limited effort, and for that, I need favor of something. I always seek favor and always seek the limited. <clears throat> and it is not easy to fulfill any desire. It's not easy to get a contract. A lot of work has to be done to get a contract. Bidding is one thing and then a lot of things must be done before bidding and after bidding also. You know? It's not 
Some students work hard before examination. In India, some work hard after examination. <laughs> some people are very clever. This, this friend of mine was very smart. You, you know, so where these examination papers, where are we, who is the examiner? Where did they go? They'll find out somehow as to where these papers are all dispatched and then do all kinds of things. Some favor is required to fulfill the desire. That's the devata. <coughs> and to please somebody, I must do what pleases that person. Is it not so? It's whining and dining. Somebody wants to be whined, somebody wants to be dined, somebody wants to be something, whatever. You have to know, Swamiji, uh, that is why we go for golf and we go for club and we go for the bridge and it's all networking. It's all developing contacts. And then we find out what it is that the person wants. Invite him for, take him out some evening and it depends on what he wants. That's all kinds of business are thriving because people want different things. And you give them what they want. Then they're happy with you. Then they favor you. Then your desire can be fulfilled. That's what we do with God also. To please Lord Ganesha, we do something. And to please uh, Hanuman, we do something else. To please Devi, we do something else. To please uh, Tam Tam Niyamasthaya. To, to please a Devata or please anybody, we must do what is desired by that deity, a deity. And we must follow those niyamas, we must follow those rules and do what is necessary to please. The general rule is that I must please them who I want to be pleased. That's all. I must please, then only I can get the favor. This is a simple rule. And that will applies with gods also. Please them, then they will favor you. So that is utility, that is, that's the rule that works everywhere. Including Lord Ishwar also. You please him, he pleases you. Thus to please, to fulfill my desires, I must please those who are in the position to favor me. To seek that, to acquire their favor, I must please them. To please them, I must do that which is necessary to please them. So there is a certain way of worshipping Lord Ganesha. He, he is fond of certain materials. Lord Shiva fond of other things. Devi fond of yet another thing. Lord Narayana fond of other things. Lord Krishna fond of different things. You must know that. And accordingly, that uh, Ganesha like Modaka and, and Devi likes Payasam and, and you know, Lord Krishna likes the uh, Mishri and butter. Lord Shiva likes only Bilva leaf. Lord Narayana likes a Tulsi leaf. What is all this Swami? But that's how it is. Why should we there in a puja? Why should we make it so complicated? Well, in the home there are six members. Everybody likes different things. Is it not so? So mother prepares potatoes for this fellow, eggplant for that fellow. Everybody has their own needs and desires. Devuta is also like that. If you need to please them, if you need their favor, then you have to do what they need. If you don't need their favor, it's okay. If you need favor, then you must do. Tam tam niyamasthaya, therefore, you must follow the specific rules. Niyata prakrutyasvaya. How can different people go to different devatas? In how many devatas there are in India? Is there countless devatas? And how many devis? There is no count of devis in India, you know. In Ahmedabad, behind every rickshaw you find a new devi. Every day I find new names, you know. <laughs> there are other Kula devis, you know. 
Like certain devata in preference to other one. Thus I find my Swami, I love Hanumanji, and somebody likes Ganeshji, and somebody likes Shiva, and somebody likes Vishnu, somebody likes this. Why is it so? It can be result of our upbringing also, at the same time, our own nature also. <coughs> so this is what is happening. What do you do when all these people go to different devatas, Lord Krishna, what do you do? The next verse tells us that. यो यो याम याम तनुम भक्ता श्रद्धायार्चितो मिच्छते तस्य तस्याचलाम श्रद्धां तामेव विदधाम्यहम् यो यो भक्ता है Yam yam tanum shraddhaya achidamichyati. Whichever devotee wants to worship, whichever form with shraddha and bhakti, with devotion. <coughs> so one thing is that in this performance of puja, worship, an important element is shraddha. Shraddha means a faith that my performing this worship, that is devata will be pleased, and that my desire will be fulfilled. You know, without that shraddha you can't do anything. If there is shraddha or the faith that Lord Ganesha will remove the obstacles, then I approach him with appropriate offerings because I have trust that when I make these offerings that I will acquire the grace of Lord Ganesha and that the obstacles will be removed. So in worship, shraddha is always required. In prayers, in acts of worship, in making offerings, in any action for that matter. Whether action is worldly action or it is an action of worship, it always requires Shraddha. Shraddha means a faith that I can do this and that performing this action will bring a certain desired result. Without that we can't do anything. Is it not so? Even when you go to work, there is Shraddha, that at the end of the month I will get my paycheck, or at the end of the week, whatever the case is. Or that I can do this work. So action, because we do not necessarily know the connection between the cause and the effect, that this cause in the form of this action will bring about that effect and form an outcome, that Shraddha is required. That we perform Agnihotra Karma, that we will get Swarga someday, Shraddha. Similarly also, when I perform worship of the Lord, of any devata, then always shraddha, that Lord will be pleased by this act of offering, and that I will get the favor, and that my desire will fulfill. This shraddha, this calculation is there, this faith is there, and then alone a person can perform any act of worship. So Lord Krishna says that I find that these various devotees approach different devatas depending upon their own need and depending upon their own disposition. 
and they follow various rules that are required for worship. Then they follow the stipulation. There are always stipulations as to how a worship should be done. Stipulation of how this Medha Dakshinamati should worship. Stipulation as to how Lord Narayana should worship. As you said the other day, Alankara Priya Vishnu. Vishnu is very fond of Alankara, very fond of ornaments and music and food and all clothes and all luxuries. Bhoga. He's a bhogi devata. Whereas Abhishek Priya Shiva hai, Lord Shiva is a yogi devata. Lord Shiva is a yogi. He doesn't want any bhoga, doesn't want alankara. He is digambara. He doesn't want any clothes, no ornaments. He is only fond of Abhishek. So that's what we should do. Namaskara Priyo Bhanu. Bhanu Surya is very fond of salutations. Okay, you do that. So we should know what the Devata wants and accordingly. So when I find that people do this, Shraddhaya, Archidamichati, whoever is a devotee, worshipping whatever Devata, Vishraddha. Lord, don't you feel jealous? Don't you come in their way? See, they are not coming to you. They are going to some other devatas. Says, no. Tasya tasya chalam shraddham tameva vidadhamyam. Lord Krishna says that that very same shraddha that his devotee has for that devata, I make it firm. I do not unsettle the shraddha. Because shraddha is really the wealth that a person has. The real wealth in our life is shraddha. Shraddha mayoyam purushaha yo shraddha sevasaha. Lord Krishna says in the Gita that this purusha, the human being, is made of shraddha. Yo shraddha sevasaha. Whatever is shraddha, so is a person. Shraddha is a certain belief in certain goal of life, in certain process of life. The belief. <coughs> And it is this belief that actually motivates a person to do what the person does. People have their own convictions, their own beliefs, their own convictions. And a person is as good as the conviction the person has. So, never, Lord Krishna says, Na buddhivedam janayed, you should never unsettle the faith of the people. Should not unsettle, you know, whatever faith they have. Don't unsettle them. Because if you break, if you attack somebody's faith and break it down, then because of your impact perhaps you may give it up. But there's nothing else to acquire now. He has nothing else to hold on to. And the person is neither, nowhere, nowhere. So this is what these missionaries, what they do is they just break the faith of these people who are, you know, who are, who don't have any great cognitive skills or thinking skills and they don't have any great understanding of why they are doing things. People just do things. They, they go to temples, they perform worship, they perform prayers. You ask them five, two questions and he doesn't have any answer. He says, what is your worshipping devil? You are worshipping, it's all devil worship. That fellow thinks he doesn't know. So he's totally frustrated. He doesn't know what to say. He says, okay, I'm worshipping devil. So he gives it up. Now he cannot take up any other worship because this faith has taken all this time to really have evolved in his heart. If that is given up, then he has nothing to hold on to. There cannot be a greater sin than really destroying the faith of a person. Lord Krishna says, I never do that. Doesn't matter if the belief is wrong. Don't break it. 
Educate the person if the person is available. If you are concerned about the person's belief, and you think that he's really misguided, then he really needs to change. Don't dismiss it. Don't condemn it. Become friendly with him. Acquire his confidence. And then educate him. And make him see. That's the way to bring about a change. But otherwise, Shraddha. When Shraddha or the faith should not be unsettled. Because a person is as good as the Shraddha. So you find people of faith in all kinds of... People go... have all kinds of faith they have. They, you know, they follow so many kinds that are everywhere in the world and so much so in India, so many things are there. Every, every 15 days a new package comes. And people go after that. But what helps them is their faith. Even if that person who is revered, he doesn't deserve, let us say. Still, it is the faith of the person that will help him. Tusidaji says in one point that, look, this person is worshipping Tulasi, you know the basil plant? The holy basil plant. He, he worships. That plant remains plant for the whole life. This fellow grows. No change happens in the plant. That remains a plant only. They worship trees. It is not the tree, etc. that does anything. It is his worship. Ishraddha. The faith that he has is what actually helps a person grow. And that is the greatest strength that India has. People's faith. People condemn the blind faith. Faith is faith. What is blind? I don't understand what is meant by blind faith. Faith is faith. What is blind faith? Enlightened faith. Okay. So we are understanding better if you are understanding. But faith is a great wealth. That is a great strength. Even though people may be illiterate, they understand nothing. They cannot answer any questions. Ask them, why are you doing this? I don't know. But he does it with Shraddha. Does it with faith. People flock to temples. People flock to, in millions, they flock to place of pilgrimage. Just go there. So you don't understand anything. They don't know anything. Does not matter. What matters is that he is Shraddha. This, on this, on this topic, one Mahatma told us a story of this, this sadhu, a sannyasi, used to uh, walk to Badrinath, from Rishikesh to Badrinath. Even today also it is common practice to perform pilgrimage on foot. Whereas we go with all our retinues and things like that, there are people, poor people in India who just, because they can't even afford public transportation even, they just walk. See, old people also walking with only hardly some kind of a Hawaii slipper in their and in, in their foot. No proper footwear. And their belonging in their head. And walking and walking and trekking. Difficult terrains. What enables them to do that? Just a Shraddha. But here was a sadhu who loved to do the yatra of Badrinath once, twice, twenty-one times. So once he was returning from his pilgrimage to Badrinath and he went for bhiksha to some of the local communities there in the hills and he came across this old woman. The old woman opened the door, invited the sadhu, Maharaj please be seated. She offered food. And then she started 
Swamiji, where are you coming from? I'm coming from Badrinath. No, Sadhu was a very good person. He said, I'm coming from Badrinath. Oh, you went to Badrinath? How wonderful. How did you go? Yeah, I went on foot. Oh, is it right? The first, oh, there were 21 times. And there were tears and tears in the eyes of that old woman. Says, oh Lord, please bless me that once at least I can go to Badrinath. How fortunate you are that you went there 21 times. Please bless me once I can go. That sadhu says that you give me your devotion. I'll give the result of all my 21 pilgrimages to you and give me the devotion that you have, you know. So this is what counts. What counts is that devotion. What counts is a shraddha. What counts is a feeling. It doesn't matter the blind or what it is. It doesn't matter. That is strength. That's what makes a person going. And so this is this shraddha. And that is most important. Doesn't matter what they worship. They worship a stone, doesn't matter. It is, stone is not important. What they worship also is not. That they worship. That is the spirit of worship. The shraddha is there. Bhakti is there. That is the most important thing. Lord Krishna says that I never unsettle that shraddha. Tasya the shraddha that they have, I make it firm. And so what happens in the shraddha? The next verse is Sataya Shraddhaya Yuktaha Tasya Radhanamihate Lavate Chetatah Kaman Mayaiva Vihitan Hitan Sataya Shandhya Yuktaha That very Shraddha which he had I made firm Yuktaha in Lord with the Shraddha Tasyaha Radhanam Ihate This devotee worships that respected Devata doesn't matter what he or she is and their desires are indeed fulfilled. Lord Krishna says that when an act of worship is performed with devotion, then it is likely to be fulfilled. This person's karma or desires are satisfied by the grace of that deity. But Lord Krishna says, who is really, who really fulfills their desires? Ultimately it is I who fulfill their desires. Even in the form of the deity, I alone am. I am the self of all. In the form of all the devatas, I alone am. Still, I do not appear to them in my form. I appear to them in the form in which they are worshipping. In whichever form they worship me, in that form I bless them. So it does not matter what we worship. As long as we worshipping Ishwar, it doesn't matter what it is. Whether you worship in form, without the form, in name, in whichever way you do. In that way, he blesses. Because if I am worshipping as Ganesha and appears before me in his flute, it doesn't help me, see? If I am worshipping Lord with flute, he comes in a bow and arrow, doesn't help. So some devotees are so fanatic about their devatas. That that's all. They want to see Lord only in that form. So he is Tulsidas, you know, he is a great devotee of Lord Rama, bow and arrow. 
So he goes to Vrindavan. Vrindavan is a place of Lord Krishna. He is invited to go and have darshan in one of the temples as well. I uh, only want, I can only see Lord in the bow and arrow, that's all. So he's taken to a temple of Lord Krishna and there Tulsidas says, Well, Lord, if you really want me to have your darshan and word, you know, then you should appear, be in that form. So he said that, in fact, that Lord Krishna appeared in the form of bow and arrow, you know, Rama, for his devotee, so that his devotee is pleased. And that is how God, Lord is. Ishwara is always like that. And the devotees can control him, you know. You can control him by your love. Arjuna can tell him, will you please become my charioter? Okay. Place my chariot between two armies. All right. Bring the chariot here. Okay. So, this is how Lord Krishna says, I bless them in whichever way they approach me. In whichever form they worship me, in that form I appear. Because even though the people are devotees of Lord Krishna, everybody is, everybody is, is unique. There are as many sects, as many people are there. Because even when I worship Lord Krishna, when you worship, I may have my own picture of Lord Krishna anyway. You may have your own picture. Some people always quarrel, you know. Is Krishna holding flute on the right side or left side? <laughs> really, because you can find both. In fact, there was a quarrel. There was a court case in Vrindavan. Some devotees said that, no, Krishna should be only on the right side and on the left side. And this went to court. And the judge happened to be a British person. He said, well, let him be straight, you know, that's right. the right side, not left side. It's amazing. But that is how the devotees are. Lord Krishna says, in whichever form they worship me, in that form I bless them. So, lavate kaman mayeva vihitan hitan. Thus, those devotees do fulfill their desires as granted by me. I am the karma faladada. Ultimately, I am the Lord Ishwara who is omniscient, omnipotent, and I am the dispenser of the result of all the actions. So, wherever any action is performed, wherever any outcome comes, I am the giver of that. It will look like some deity gave me this. That the Lord Indra gave me something. But Indra gets his strength from what? We told the story the other day. The fire can burn because of what? Only when he enjoys the grace of Ishwara. The wind can blow, only when he enjoys the grace of Ishwara. Indra can shower the rains, when he enjoys the grace of Ishwara. In all those forms, I alone do things. I am the one who fulfills the desires. I am the karma falada. But I never, he never seeks credit, understand? He doesn't say, I gave you this and I gave you that. He never tells us that. I wish he told us. Because we so much take it for granted. We have no value for what all we have. And what all favors we are. No value at all. Always like a child. Ah, one candy. Ah, another one. Always what I don't have. That's all. And no appreciation of what we have. Never. But then he also is such, you know, he never claims, come on fellow, I gave you so much. He never says that. He never tells me, otherwise people always tell you, what have you done for me? You know what I did for you? What did you do for me? Ishwara never does that, you know. He never even says that I gave you. In fact, he gives credit to those devatas. He does it through them, and still the devotee feels that it is my Ishta Devata that has done this. Then alone his trust and faith will be maintained there. <coughs> So this is what we call the devotees, all right. But sakama bhaktaha, 
the devotees who perform their worship with the expectation of fulfilling desire for limited ends. And what is the end result of that? The verse 23 tells us that. Antavattu phalam tesham Tadbhavatyalpa medhasam Devan devaya joyanti Madbhaktayanti mamapi To, however, Tesham Alpamedasam Tatphalam Alpavadhantavadhavadi. Lord Krishna says, Alpamedasam, people of limited understanding, limited discrimination. Some discrimination they do have. Therefore, they approach Ishvara or they approach a Devata for fulfilling desire. So that much sense they have. But they do not understand the what to ask from the, of that Devata. Unfortunately, these people settle for only limited things in their life. Devan, Devaya Jayanti, Devaya Those who worship the Devatas, Devan Yanti, they reach the Devatas. Meaning that if I worship a Devata, like Indra, I can, I can become the denizens of the world of Indra. What can Indra do to me? He can make him he can, the most that he can grant me is to take him, take me to his world. Because he is the ruler of that world. <coughs> Swarga. He cannot give me what he doesn't have. Just on a, on a lighter side, there is this, you know, little story here. That there is, there, is, there are so many goddesses. One of the goddesses called Shitala. I don't know if some of you may have heard the name. Shitala Mata. Shitala means what? Smallpox? There is a deity that they worship. So when children are small, pause, then you go and worship that deity. So Sitala, that deity also is quite popular. So one person performs worship of this deity and following all the rules and worship and ultimately that Sitala Amada, the deity became pleased, appeared before him. He says, what, what can I give you? So this fellow says, Oh mother, please give me a horse. He's a stupid. If I had the horse, why should I ride on donkey? I'm riding on donkey, you know. <laughs> Meaning that a deity can give what they can give, you know. They cannot give more. Anybody can give, you know. <laughs> Therefore, ultimately, any devan, devayajoyanti. So, you can ultimately reach a devata. By worshipping a devata, you can become a devata at the most. On the other hand, had they worship me, Ishvara, the self of all. Here again, when Lord Krishna uses the pronoun I, it is not in the sense of a person, in the sense of Ishvara, Vasudeva Sarvam, the one who is the self of all. If they worship me, if they had sought the limitless, then Madhbhaktahayanti Mamapi, they would have achieved the limitless. If they ask for limited, they get the limited. If they ask for limitless, they get the limitless. They ask of me, I'll give them myself. So why should you ask for anything less? Why should you ask for a favor of limited thing? If Ishwara says, what do you want? I want you. You must know how to ask. Always there is a way of choosing. 
most people that is alpamedasan people are with dull intellect limited intellect they don't know what to ask for so this this king asked this beggar you know this beggar is crying under the tree and king asking what do you want why are you crying i am the king you know ask what do you want oh sir my begging ball got broken can i have a new begging ball they saw if you ask for half the kingdom that would have been given that's all you can ask alpamedasam people they say do not know how to desire if you have to desire do it properly if you do wish then wish properly and that we can in fact desire the limitless we can have we can ask ishwar i want you and nothing else that's all leave it up to him but then don't get tempted in between you know because it's not easy he also will you know see like this this devotee once came to vrindavan you know vrindavan is a very holy place in india and there is let's see the uh, the place where lord krishna uh, you know grew up and he had sported and there is a beautiful river yamuna so devotees are also are very funny sometimes this person says that uh, uh, there is a sweet called jalebi you know there is round thing i will eat this jalebi only if lord brings it to me that's they want lord to be their servant you know and so they want all kinds of desires if lord krishna gives me jalebi then i will eat okay then he just sat and sat, eat for two days three days did not eat anything fourth day morning he went to uh, the river to take his dip and he saw the jalebi floating in water hey see that here lord has sent this jalebi to me and he ate it because i wanted it but still he did not wait long enough if he said if lord gives me jalebi but sent in water through somebody if he demanded that you come and give then he would have to come and give but he fell you know short of his demand because if you get tempted in between because maya is always there maya is always there and therefore must always be very clear what do i want very clear maya will come as yamaraja offer me all kinds of offerings to nasigata take sons and grandsons and kingdom and wealth and everything anybody would fall for that okay then take it lord krishna says take it then you ask for you know i want you give you something else this temptation is keep on coming and if you are not clear alvamedas if you fall for little things that is what will get devan devajoyanti mad bhaktaha yantimapi those who desire me will get me ayasa the effort is the same exertion is the same if they want me they will get me so all these four verses told us how people of limited intellect how they invest their energy and invest their emotions in limited ends in the life and they ultimately get the limited ends not recognizing that antavattu phalam tesham that phalam the result is limited and that they will never be satisfied even after getting it they will find themselves as dissatisfied as before again asking for some other favor they get that favor yet dissatisfied and that's how the process goes on so gata gatam kama kama halvante the people who are thus desirous gata gatam halvante they come and go from one birth to the other so this is a process of samsara and lord krishna said how come they don't worship me because that 
sense of discrimination is robbed away by these various desires. And fulfilling those desires, they keep doing that and they never come to me. <coughs> okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadam